What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas pod, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Tuesday afternoon edition. It's NBA day. It's a good day. Very excited. Can't believe it's already here, but the NBA is officially back tonight. We're going to pretend the seven o'clock or whatever eight o'clock game is not happening. I will not be watching much of that, but the 10 o'clock, 1030 Eastern time bloodbath between the Clippers and the Lakers is a must see. So that's when basketball is officially back for me. Um, but Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report is here. Sean, good afternoon, sir. Are you ready for basketball? Yeah, I am. I'm actually pretty excited for this season, more so than I have been the last couple. Why Why is that? Is that just because it seems like we don't really know who the, the champion is going to be going into the season? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, because the last like four or five years or whatever, we've all been like, oh, well, there's a lot of exciting storylines kind of coming into the season. But we all just know the Warriors are going to it's going to be the Warriors and then whatever team LeBron is like we like we all kind of know that. But then this year, it's like because, you know, the defending champions lost uh the finals MVP and free agency and the Warriors lost, you know, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson's probably not going to play this year. Like there's like seven or eight different teams. You could say you could talk me into possibly having a chance to win the title. So like it's it, it just like going into the season, having literally no idea what's going to happen, I think is pretty rare. And it's all, you know, it makes it's exciting. You have six or seven. That's high to me. I don't have that many. Who are your six? That was just a number off. That into? was just a number off the top of my head. I mean, We'll go through it right now. Who who do you think right now before like injuries and everything else happens, like going into the season right now, who do you have as a realistic contender? And when I say realistic, like you can actually see a scenario where they win the title or uh, so. I mean, both of the L.A. teams, Houston, mm-hmm. Houston, Denver, Utah, Philly, Milwaukee, like. Ooh, OK. See, I don't have an East team. I think none of them have a chance. I, I really don't. Um, Someone's got to make the finals from the East. Oh, yeah, for and... sure. They're just going to get swept. I just don't know who it is. Like, whoever wins the East is just getting bombasted by whoever wins the West. I just don't. I'm not a believer in the East this year. I'm not as sure of that as you are, but okay. I mean, who are you Who are you really confident? The Celtics, I think, got worse. I think the Nets are going to be worse without Kevin Durant. Um, I think... The Bucks got worse. The Sixers are still going to have problems late in games. Um, I I just I don't I like a lot of them as like low end fifty win teams, but I don't think any of them are even close to the level of the top teams in the West. Like the West contenders, like one. I mean, you could talk me into the top six in the West, and I still don't even think the majority of them have it. It's really I think the LA teams, and then I don't Houston no. They don't have the depth. Like you can keep talking yourself into like Houston and Harden and Russell and like unless they do something else. I think my like my dark horse in the West and um this is something on my list that we're gonna do and I should probably mention that we're gonna do our like our strongest NBA opinions heading into the new season. But um the Blazers I just feel like are most positioned to do something 
major and really shake things up but i'm still just a big dame and cj guy and they have the assets to to do another um big time ish move um and then you have the anthony simons wild card and then denver you have the michael porter wild card and i mean those two you could talk me in utah and houston i just feel like are going to be regular season assassins and suffer the same kind of fate um that they're so used to suffering in the playoffs Right. I mean, you can say, okay, these are all likely, but if, if Utah won the championship, you would be like, okay, I, I could see a scenario where that happened. I'd be fucking blown away. Okay. I mean, I think they're really good. And I think if you, if you told me they caught the right breaks and, you know, they, they got the right matchups and they, and they were, you know, and, and they were able to get it done. And it was just kind of one of those years where everything went their way. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that tracks. I guess if they won the West, then yeah. Then you're like, okay, well, they got through the ju- the the bus saw, and they're going to be better than whoever they play in the Eastern Conference. Um, so yeah, I guess if they go, th- if they can make it through, um, and just like a lot of those West teams, I guess like Houston and teams like that, if they can just get through the West, then they're fine because I think the East top teams are just, ugh, I don't know, I am very low on them. I, I tr- I've tried to talk myself into Philly. I've tried to talk myself into Milwaukee. Um, I'm a huge Pacers guy. I I just without Victor Oladipo for the majority or a significant portion, it seems like of the season, it's hard for me to talk myself into them. Uh, but I do say, I do, I do maintain the belief that if Victor Oladipo was healthy going into the year and he did not get injured the way he did last year, um, the Pacers would be in position to win the East. That, that would be my, my strongest take, but I, I'm still just, I'm really worried about the Oladipo stuff now. Yeah. It seems like he's not even anywhere close. Right. And that's, uh, that's a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a lot more sure of all this stuff than I am, so I guess I'll defer to you. I, I literally, <laughs> I literally have no clue what's going to happen this season, which is something yeah. that's pretty exciting. Well, the first thing that I'm pretty um, confident of, I should say, and like you said, I'm I'm weirdly confident about a lot of these things, but um, the Lakers right now have the biggest. Uh, most people are putting money on the Lakers of any other team right now going into opening night. Um, to win the title. I just. Yeah, and I, I, that my strongest opinion is I just don't think they're winning the title. Like I was, uh, so many things have to go right for them. Um, Anthony Davis hasn't played a full season yet in his career. LeBron played what fifty something games last year. They don't have depth. They don't like that doesn't really matter um, right now because they're all healthy. But one of those two guys goes down for thirty games, like they might miss the playoffs. Like that's they don't have a lot of margin for error um and margin for injuries and i i still think we've just kind of bypassed the frank vogel jason kidd stuff like that just feels like forever ago i they stumbled in to all of this like zach Lowe eloquently puts it but i think they'll be good and i think as long as they're healthy they'll be contending i just i am betting strongly against the health and long-term um projections of their guys this season. I just, I can't talk myself into Avery Bradley. I can't talk myself into Zach Norvell Jr. I can't talk myself into the rotations that they're going to be throwing out. And um, it helps just having two top 10 guys and that will go a long way. But if one of those two are not available for uh, a significant portion of the season and we know they're going to get rest, I, I just, I don't think they're going to be able to get the right seeding they'll need to survive. And I just, I don't trust their depth in the playoffs. I, I'm very firm in my belief that the Lakers cannot win the title currently constructed as they are. Well, I mean, this is going to save us some time because this was actually one of my <laughs> ones. Also, oh. I think you and I are on the same page about that one. I've actually over the, over this whole off season, like privately, I have been 
kind of telling people that I was thinking about possibly being having my hill this year be the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs again. Oh, I yes. don't know if I don't know if I'm fully j- just because I mean, when those two are healthy, like the two of them are so good that, that like I just I don't know if I can fully bring myself to get there. But, you know, you really hit on a lot of the stuff like their depth chart. Once you get past those two and like I guess Danny Green is pretty good. But like after that, it gets pretty dark pretty quickly. Like you're already talking yourself into, oh, Rajon Rondo is going to be their starting point guard in 2019. And, oh, you know, maybe Dwight Howard is finally going to get his act together this time after like Four teams it's in five years. Act. He's old and his back is broken and it's just he's not the same guy. Right. And then and then right. And and then, you know, you're talking about like like uh just you know, looking at their depth chart, it's like Avery Bradley hasn't been good in like four years. You know, right. he has this reputation from earlier in his career when he was in Boston of being this great defender, which he was a long time ago, but you know, he hasn't really been that guy for several years and and then I think the other thing that you mentioned was the Jason Kidd, Frank Vogel. You just saw earlier today, Kidd tweeted some like excited for the season tweet that was like a picture of him with some with some of the players like from a preseason huddle. And Frank Vogel isn't in the picture and already people oh, are God. You know, taking that and pointing it out. And I just like I ever since they made that hire, both hiring Vogel because he was the only guy who was willing to take a three year deal instead of a longer deal. But like because when they tried to get Ty Lue, and then when they tried to uh you know, basically push kid on him as his lead assistant because he's, you know, LeBron, one of LeBron's guys and LeBron really likes him and LeBron wanted him. Like, this is like one of the biggest locks to me of the season is at some point in like November or December, the Lakers are going to lose three games in a row and certain, you know, you know, Rich Paul and LeBron's people are going to put it out there anonymously to certain reporters that, you know, LeBron, you know, Jason Kidd just really has more of the attention of the locker room than Frank Vogel. And I think LeBron would really like them to make it like that's going to happen. Like he's going to as soon as they have any kind of like extended losing streak, Vogel's going to be on the hot seat. And Jason Kidd is already going to be positioning himself to take over. Like that's going to be a thing. Yes. And we've just moved back because there haven't been any games. They haven't had any real turmoil yet because they haven't lost any games. They haven't gone through some injury issues. They haven't gone through some bad lines. They're going to throw out like. Who is their closing five? Who is, I, in crunch time? I still have no idea what the best answer is. And also, what's frustrating about the Lakers, um, in another sense, is that I I would be a lot higher on them if Kuzma was not the one they kept in the in the Anthony Davis trade. If because he just doesn't fit this group. I don't think they can close with Kuzma, AD, and LeBron on the floor together. I think it's just weird to keep the one guy who can't really fit. With those two down the stretch, I if they had kept Lonzo, if Lonzo had been the one who stayed and Kuzma went to New Orleans with everybody else, I'd be a lot higher on this team. Like if he was the lead guard playing with this group, I'd be like, okay, sure, the depth still sucks, but they had the one young guy who can actually grow and play with these two. I, I think that was a huge underrated misnomer on the Lakers part by overvaluing Kuzma and perhaps undervaluing uh, Lonzo. Yeah, but Kobe said that Kuzma is the one with the most Mamba mentality out of that young group, so they couldn't trade him. Is that what he said? I forget which reporter it was that reported that like Kobe advised Jeannie Buss that uh, that Kuzma had. It, it might have been like McMenamin, or it was one of the maybe one of the ESPN guys, like Ramona or somebody who you know who's plugged in with the Lakers ownership, said that Kobe is a strong proponent of Kyle Kuzma because he has the Mamba mentality, and that was a factor in why they decided to make him untouchable out of that young group. Like that's. That's their biggest mistake, I think, thus far. I, I think that's their biggest their biggest issue is they kept the wrong one. 
I'm going to find this quote because I swear to God this actually happened. Oh, my God. And you know that, I mean, it's realistic, which is terrifying if you're a Laker fan. That, like, that's something that um, um, might happen. Uh, I don't know. Who would you want advising you more uh, if you're Jeannie Buss? Uh, not Kobe. Miss, Mrs. Rambis or uh, Kobe Bryant? Whatever the, like- whatever the choice is, I'm picking not Kobe. <laughs> He's getting a lot of people to his academy, though. The Mamba, what is it called? The Mamba, academy? the Ma- Mamba Academy, and it's, and it's like like ev- like every player who like I'm a huge De'Aaron Fox guy, uh, like I have been for a long time. I liked him in the draft, and I like him now. And when I heard that he was at the Mamba camp, I was just like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. This that's, is none of that's surprising. Players love Kobe. Players this, like look at Kobe as their Jordan. This is from Ohm Young Masuk from uh, ESPN. Okay, ESPN, uh, yeah. This is a quote. This is from him in a Sirius XM radio interview. I found this aggregated on uh, the SB Nation uh, Lakers site. This is the quote. Uh, I also think Kobe Bryant really likes Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma is a guy that has had dinner with Kobe Bryant. Of the three young guys, he exuded more of a Mamba mentality openly. And I think obviously Kobe Bryant, who is very close friends with Rob Palinka, uh, they basically had some inf- like the fact that that's a real thing. I'm just like, OK, all right. What are we doing? Yeah. So there so there you go. Oh, wow. Um well, that's not good. So we're on the same page there. Um what is your next since we already crossed off one of yours? Yes. Um, what is your next opinion that you feel very strongly about? Sean? I think Oklahoma City isn't going to be as bad as people think. Mm. What do most people think? What is the general consensus on NBA Twitter with them? That like they're going to like 9 seed or, or just terrible. I think a lot of people just assume that they're going to just sell off everybody and they're just going to be one of the worst teams because they're going to tank and they're going to just totally bottom out. But here's the problem. Here's the thing. They're not going to be able to trade Chris Paul because of his contract. And so Chris Paul is going to have to play. And Chris Paul is still really good, even though, you know, obviously the money that he's making right now at his age is is, is not great. Chris Paul is still really good. And so you're, you're looking, I mean, you look at this rotation and it's like, you know, Chris Paul, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, Terrence Ferguson, Andre Robertson, if he's healthy, and it seems like he's kind of getting closer. Gallinari is good. Mescala is fine. Steven Adams is really good. Nerlens Noel is, you know, now and, and like they have like eight guys who I, it's going to be like the Pacers the year that they lost Paul George, where it's like I can't really pick them as one of the worst teams because they just have too many guys where you say, OK, these guys are NBA players and they're proven NBA level talent, even if they're not great. They just have too much competence on their roster. Now, I think they're probably going to trade Gallinari at some point, and you know, maybe. I mean, you have to because Gal is too good for so many contenders. Like he's just the perfect four for so many teams that could use him. He's, uh, you have to move him. Right, I, th- I think so. But I just like, going up and down this uh, up and down this roster. I just think they're too competent to be, you know, in the yeah. tier of really bad teams. Um, I think Chris Paul's contract is tradable, and I think he will get moved at some point. I think he'll get move to a florida team but just not the one that people are expecting for what like like fournier and i don't know yeah like how do you make like how the problem is like that's just so much money like, how do you make I that mean, they they gave a lot of money to vooch they have a lot of money tied up in fournier i mean they have uh they've paid a lot of dudes i mean what is aaron gordon making i mean you're not trading aaron gordon for this but like they've they've got a pretty expensive average team as i recall let me see let me pull up their cap sheet um but I think at some point you got to stop uh, rolling the ball out with uh, DJ Augustine and Markel Fultz. And I I could see it, the no state income tax. Well, there's... we literally haven't seen what the Markel Fultz thing is going to look like. 
he looks awful in the preseason. Like, it's still just... That dude, A, his shot takes like 19 years to get off again. Like, he's... And I've maintained this. And it's not like I'm adamantly opposed to Markel Fultz getting back on track. It's just... It's not going to happen. He's not... Like, he... the, The yips, man. Like, it's just... None of this is good. And he's doing the exact same stuff he was doing in Philly where like the little spins, like everything's in slow motion. He could do these like little mid-range shots that are kind of cute off the bench, like kind of like he's living in Sean Livingston land. But I, I'm just, I'm not a believer at all. I think he is going to be extremely bad and still just not playable on this, on this team. He should have gone to Europe or somewhere else where no one's watching him play 36 minutes a night really just go under the radar and figure it out. But like figuring it out off the bench in Orlando is, is not going to happen. All right. Well, see, I haven't watched any preseason, so I don't really know what to uh, watch him. Mark. It's the exact, he's doing the exact same thing he was doing in Philly last year before they shut him down. All right. Well, well same ma- shots, shame, same everything. I just, <sighs> the full stuff is just sad. I, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on this, but it's, I, I've I've crossed that one off a long time ago. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think you're definitely right that the Magic need a point guard upgrade, and the you know the Chris Paul thing's interesting. I just, well, I mean, we'll we'll see what because Orlando's a team that's interesting. They weren't on my list, but Orlando's a team that's interesting to me too because I feel like last year, and maybe this is just a testament to just how good of a coach Steve Clifford is, but I feel like everybody that they had that on the team last year just basically had a career year. Yeah, and it was one of those teams where they probably just like overachieved and. Uh, I mean, so what So what did they do this? I mean, they added Aminu, I guess. And, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's good, but I'm not sure if he fits. They have a lot of continuity. I mean, they brought it back a lot of the same kind of guys. Um, I, I I think they're a team that's just too smart, and now they're too veteran heavy where Vooch is fine. He knows his role. Um, I'm not sure what Mo Bamba is and how that works with him, Vooch, Aaron Gordon still playing three a little too much. But if Aaron Gordon has another level he gets to this year, they let him bring the ball up more. They let him do some stuff um, at the top of the key. I think that unlocks a lot of new, fascinating little things for Orlando. And I'm also like one of the biggest Jonathan Isaac guys, I think, out there. Love Jonathan Isaac, and I think he still has several other levels to get to. And has serious unicorn potential. So I want to see what he looks like this year and how much responsibility he's given on offense because the more he gets, the more I'm intrigued by this group. I uh I don't know. I just don't trust their backcourt. And I, I still think they're just the way this team's constructed is kind of kind of odd and feels like they still have like three other trades to make to really balance this thing out and make it it just I don't know. I, I still have more questions and I think Chris Paul would actually answer a lot of their questions. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought of that before, but I but getting back to the OKC thing, I just I just think they're too competent to be as bad as you know, they, as you know, probably Sam Presti wants them to be, or that, you know, people, a lot of people think they're going to be. I think they're going to be bad because I think a lot of those guys are going to sit and I think they're going to move multiple dudes. I I think this is going to be a team that fault. They may fight hard early on the first couple months and then they just completely fall off a cliff that I could, um, I could see like maybe by Um, the deadline. Sure. But I feel like, I feel like the first two or three months of the season, we're going to see them hang around the seven, eight, nine spot. Just, being like oh, no. you know, in the West, like just it's just in terms of their record, like record wise, like, I can see them like like not completely out of it. And people are going to be saying, oh, don't sleep on OKC. And then they just sell everybody off at the deadline. Mm, I don't know. I'm not that I am. So I guess we'll have to disagree there. Um, the Blazers. 
I think they make the boldest move midseason of any team in the NBA this year. They certainly want to do that. I I think that was kind of the idea with making the trades for for Bazemore and for Whiteside because I mean I think both of those guys obviously felt you know filled short term needs because you know they needed another wing who can defend and so Bazemore kind of helps with that and they needed a short term like stopgap for at center until Nurkic comes back whenever that is so they feel like the pieces that they have help but like let's say Nurkic comes back in January and then Whiteside is sort of expendable they have him that they can flip and they have Bazemore that they can flip and I think. The idea, like Neil Olshay, I think, thinks that Kevin Love is going to be the piece that they get. I think Cleveland's probably going to get better offers from someone else for Love. I think Gallinari might be a little bit more of a realistic uh, target for them. But I definitely think it's a big to make. I don't think that would be a bad thing either. I think that also just makes a lot of sense. And he would fit perfectly with what they need. And they've had just this black hole at the four three spot for years now. They just haven't been able to fill out that wing position. And I think Gallinari would actually do a lot for them. But also... The wild card is Anthony Simons. Um, you're in PDX. What are you What are you thinking about Simons? Do you think there actually is a chance he could break out and become like an actual star in this league? They think so. I mean, I can tag into. Do they like, really think so? Do they? Oh, it's yes. not like you okay. saw. You saw multiple like profiles. I think like SB Nation had one. The Ringer had like you saw like multiple profiles of him as like the breakout star that clearly the team was willing to facilitate and willing to set up like. And you know, Neil Olshay called him uh, at, at media day. He called him like the most physically talented young player that I've ever drafted, which is funny. Yeah, because I saw I'm, that. I'm sure he drafted Blake Griffin when he was the GM of the Clippers. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And he, hmm. you know, he called like the best young guard in the league, which, okay. What? I mean, he did. Yeah, you can go back and find the media, like, like the quotes. I mean, Neil Olshay loves to talk guys up, but like they, the Blazers also like they, they still like to kind of keep the hype down a little bit on some of these young guys. But they've been going hard on the Anthony Simons of the future all star type of thing. And they think that and like Damon, CJ and Stotts and all these guys rave about, you know, how even going back to last season, he only really played in those couple of games at the end of the year. But guys have just been raving about like how he looks in practice and how hard he works. And so they think he's going to be that guy. I think he's looked pretty good in preseason. I'm not really ready to make projections of my own yet because we just haven't seen him enough. But the team and people around the team are going all in on it. I'll just say that. Hmm. Does he start opening night? No. No, no, no chance. It's going to be Damon, CJ in the backcourt and then probably Rodney Hood and then Collins and Whiteside. Hmm. How long does the Collins Whiteside experiment last? What are their other options? They don't have any other forwards on the roster. Like, I mean, the the options like, is what, moving what, uh, Simons the, to the four, right? Or moving Rodney Hood to the four and him playing the three. I I, I don't think Baysmore starting. I guess maybe. Yeah, maybe or like or like I guess Anthony Tolliver, but like they just don't really have a lot of front court depth. This is no. this is where like I get that they probably were. It was probably a good thing to not pay Aminu what Orlando was paying him, but this is where they're going to really miss a guy like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It should be interesting. What did he have that night um, late last year? Did he drop 30? The Sacramento, the Sacramento game, I think it was like 30. It was in the, it was in the third, it was, it was in the thirties or forties. And that game was actually hilarious because uh, Dame, CJ, basically all of the Blazers regulars uh, rested that game because it was the final game of the season. And and they, and they were trying to tank their uh, seed from three to four so that they would face Houston in the first round and not Oklahoma city. And so, and, and Sacramento was playing all their guys because I think Dave Yeager was trying to not get fired. And then the, you know, Sacramento had like a 27 point lead at halftime. And then at halftime, uh, Yeager was just like, well, you know what? Uh, we're just not going to play any of our starters in the second half of the game. 
And so then, and then the Blazers bench guys, whether you know Simons and Scalabca and Gary Trent and whoever else, uh, came back and actually won the game. And that kind of, at the time, the Blazers were really upset that they were playing Oklahoma City. Obviously, that ended up working out okay for them that matchup. But uh, at the time, that was one of the funniest games I've ever covered, just because of all that stuff. Hmm. I didn't even realize that that all that was going on at the time. But yeah, it definitely worked out, and we got some great Dame moments um, against Oklahoma City. So I'm glad that's how it actually unfolded um who's next on your list uh i think that people are overrating how much worse milwaukee got hmm like they didn't read like they don't re-sign malcolm brogdon and people are talking about it like it's like the raptors losing Kawhi Leonard. like how are they ever going to recover from losing it's like okay malcolm brogdon's good but like okay like like i feel like we're he's really good he is but he also like they saw his medicals they yeah. decided not to re-sign him. Like I, like people are acting like you know they lost. You know this is like the Thunder losing Paul George or something like that, and it's not. Like I think people are more upset that it makes it seem like they went the cheap route in a like a final two years where it's like who cares what Malcolm Brogdon's foot's like in three years? Because guess what, Giannis might not be here anyway. You have a very small amount of time to make this all work, and Brogdon's an important figure to make that all work and now you're betting on wesley matthews devin chinzo eric bledsoe like you're betting on guys who are all worse than i'm, still a, believer in white, right I'm now. still a believer in white dante mm, believer in what capacity like what, what do you mean i think it can be good i think it can be a rotation player but that's brogdon's a lot better like that's the whole thing is like yeah he can be a, a rotation player but he's not someone who's gonna play crunch time in the easter conference finals against the the sixers I mean, the thing is, like, the the East is, I mean, we talked about this earlier, just kind of how weak the East is. Like, it's yes. still not crazy that, the, you know, the Bucks could still win the East. And I think if they... they I think they are. Like, that's the other thing. That's the annoying thing is I think they are going to win the East. Is I've Because of the Pacers, I mean, I want to say the Pacers, and I've said the Pacers, but the Old Debo stuff is now just, like, too bad for me to just, like, pencil them in. I just don't think they'll get the seating that they'll need to, and he won't be back and ready to go. So, the Bucks I, and Giannis, I think, has another level. Like, if you look at Giannis year to year, he's just improving every single year across the board like he's probably going to average he averaged 27 a night last year with 13 boards or 12.5 i think there's a chance he goes like 30 14 and like seven like there's another level for Giannis, and if he starts making threes at like a 32 percent clip or 33 percent whatever um good god like he is enough for them to win the east for sure that's I, what i would I'm, agree with that that's what i'm saying and i think if they make the finals he's going to sign the supermax yeah and, and that's what like Zach Lowe's predicting, right? Right, and so and so then and so then you know if if that happens, you know they win they win a weak conference, uh, mm-hmm. he signs the extension, and then nobody's going to be really complaining about oh well, why didn't they pay Malcolm Brogdon twenty million dollars a year? I can still complain about it because I still think they should have. I'm right. still wrong. I think it was bad. Like unless you had a better alternative, and like the fact that they're running it back with Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews, like they're just they're lucking out because they have a super freak amazing basketball player who's going to just will their way into uh the finals yeah okay so but, but, but you see that just like gives you a lot more of a margin for error to do that and right i don't know i, I just think it's I, I don't know i would have rather like it's okay to move on if you want to go down the injury stuff with brogdon you're worried about paying him okay great then don't keep eric bledsoe on the roster don't pay eric bledsoe and not pay brogdon like that was that's a it's just a mess up like you can't have those kind of mess ups when you're in win now mode and you really have to please your franchise player who might be the best player since Lou Alcindor. I mean, definitely since Lou Alcindor. And it's like, what, what do you do? 
it, I, I think they need to do something else. You can't be playing Corver and Pat Connaughton and God Bledsoe and Crunch. Like I just, I want to see them do something else. And like you said, it doesn't really matter who they're playing around Giannis because he's going to be that good and he's going to survive. And they still have Chris Middleton. They did do that, so that's good. Um, I don't know. Are you are you ready for seventy five threes from Robin Lopez this year? Hell yeah. Okay. I'm like I th- I think it's like I. I don't know, but see, like, this is just the whole thing, like, like, I mean, this, you, you know, you just, like, laid out this disaster scenario, and it's like, I don't know, I just, I guess, maybe I'm just, like, becoming, I didn't like say, a, it, how is it a disaster scenario? I said they're making the finals. Right, but you, but you're, but you're treating the Brogdon thing like it's a lot big, bigger of a deal than it is, and that's kind of the, the thing, I, like, I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm just kind of, a, like, like, old and cranky at this point, but I'm just, like, I, I, I just, I just get tired of people acting like a team letting a role player walk is like the biggest deal in the world. And like, this is going to sink their entire season. And I'm just like, the Bucks are probably I'm not saying it's going to sink their season. I'm saying letting your third best player walk and then replacing him with a washed up guy in his place. And also paying another guy who's technically in his prime, but was unplayable last year in the playoffs is just bad. Like that's bad GMing. Okay. I just, I think the Bucks are going to be fine. They are going to be fine. That's still bad GMing. They're going to be fine because they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Well, right. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just talking about, I see a lot of the group think on, you know, online being like how, like the, like the bucks are just like, they're so much worse and they're just not. And it's like, uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're exaggerating. It's like, they're not that much worse. They have that's, Giannis. That's my yeah, whole thing. Like Middleton, yeah. That's my whole thing. Like they're fine. They're probably going to win the East or they easily could win the East. Yeah. There's really no excuse for them not winning the East this year. Um, My next one the spurs i okay. think they trade DeRozan. where and for who so like people are like oh well they can lock him up and when i saw like the giving him another long term i just i think the spurs are now at a point with all of their depth in the backcourt where like i don't think they actually need DeRozan to stay competitive i don't think DeRozan being on the roster like especially if you look at the on off numbers with DeRozan last year um I think they now realize that Derek White is more comfortable. DeJounte Murray is healthy. Lonnie Walker needs minutes. Like you have a lot of guys now that need to play and can play and can really help you um, this year and keep you in that seven, eight spot. Like I don't think DeRozan is necessary for them to hover around the playoff picture. I think you're going to see them be like, you know, what can we do that? And like, Maybe they talked to DeRozan. DeRozan's probably someone who's like, yeah, I'd rather just go somewhere else and see if I can go back to a contender and go back to a team that can win a lot of regular season games and use me as a second or third option. And I don't know who that is. I, I just think the fact that the talks are falling apart a little bit and the amount of just capital this organization has invested now in uh, extending DeJounte Murray, having Derek White, I I don't think you can play and keep all these guys happy. So I think DeRozan is the odd man out. I think they'll do do right by him by pushing him wherever he wants to go. But I do think there are a lot of teams that would love the um, ostensible star power of DeMar DeRozan. Well, it all depends on how Murray looks because, you know, he just signed yeah. this extension. I know behind the scenes they feel like he's a future all-star caliber of a player, but I just that first year after the ACL is rough. Like it's usually, I mean, you saw it, you saw it with Levine. You saw it with, you know, you're probably going to see it this year with Porzingis. It's like it's that first year after the ACL, like it's going to take him a while to get back. And if they, you know, if they need to, 
you know, stay in the playoff mix, which I, you know, have no indication that they don't want to stay in the playoff mix. They're probably going to need him around in the short term. And maybe, you know, maybe Murray has kind of come around by the deadline and they, you know, can, can do something. But I kind of think in the short term, they might need DeRozan more than uh, maybe you think they do. I mean, maybe this upcoming offseason, they do something. But, but I, I don't know. I, I don't I mean, think, do of you the, think they need DeRozan to compete this year. Because I don't. I think they need Aldridge a lot more than they need DeRozan. Well, we're talking about how deep the West is. It's like, you, you yeah. DeRozan doesn't help them, though. Like, would you rather... I, I think you can... If DeJounte Murray is close to what he was supposed to be going into last year before he tore his ACL. But you can't count on that because, again, he's coming off an injury that usually takes guys a long time to come back from. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's still have Derek White. And I just... I really love the potential of Lonnie Walker. I want to okay. see what he looks like with extended minutes. Well, right, and but I this think... is all guys that, like, you don't know what they are. And they, you, you know what DeRozan is and you know he's good. Like, you don't... You don't like... Do you know he's good for them? Yeah, he's a net negative at this point. He doesn't shoot threes. I I don't. He's not a great defender. What is uh, why? Are, why are I'd you still sure? rather I'd still rather have him. Like we know what he is. I'd still rather have him than all these guys that you don't know what they are. If you're trying to make the playoffs, like I I, 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 I certainly I get the argument. I get there's a lot of upside with these guys, but it's it's just like you're you're banking a whole lot on stuff that you don't know versus something that you. Do. Well, we should also mention they signed Demari Carroll to a three year deal. So you have Carroll, you have Gay, still two more years on his deal. It's not like it, it moving on from DeRozan, they don't have any other veterans they can plug in there. They got Trey Lyles, Bellinelli's still there. I I think they would be fine. I, I really do. All right. I mean, so so where, so where does where do you think they move him to then? I mean, Orlando, another team of the hour. Is Orlando, Orlando just going to trade for everybody that's that's on the market or what? Yes, they're going to like Orlando. I really really believe wants star power. I think they love the idea of being back in the playoffs. And they, they're back last year. They stole a game with DJ Augustine uh, going off um, against the Raptors, the champions. I think that is a market and team, especially with what we know about their owner. Um, they, they, they like star power and they have no intention of um, backing down. And guess what? Guess who used to uh, be the, the front office guy in charge of DeMar DeRozan's career for almost a decade? The guy running the magic. Not John Hammond. The other one, Weltman. He was in the Toronto organization forever. Um, I think they're kind of trying to build their own Toronto down south. I I could see Orlando talking themselves into DeMar DeRozan. A couple other teams. Miami, I think, should always be mentioned here. Like, Dragic was the guy. I mean, he was drafted by the Spurs. Nice expiring. You could do that. Something around DeRozan and Dragic. Um, And I don't know. Does that... DeRozan and Jimmy Butler in... uh, in Miami do anything for you? Does that put them up any more in the East? I mean, I like that better than whoever. I mean, who's even their starting two guard right now? Is it Tyler Hero? Already? I mean, I mean, people think he's going to be really good, but like you're you're counting on a rookie to start for a playoff team. Like that's that's such a tall order. I mean, Waiters is suspended. Like I would think he's in the conversation, but you look at their roster, I I, I don't know who else makes sense. Man, Miami's weird because, like, I think they're a playoff team just because of how weak the East is. And I've also, like, up close, I've seen Jimmy Butler carry some pretty bad teams to the playoffs. But, like, right. I do think DeRozan would make them better. I just, yeah. I mean, actually, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I I think he does get moved. I just don't know who it's going to be for. Um, But I could see a, a Florida team going down south and getting, moving over that way. Um, And getting out of the West um, would also behoove him. Um, Who do you have next? I think the Luca backlash is coming. Oh, it's now, coming. Uh, what? What do you? Wh- what? 
just in terms of the public perception, because I think the Mavs aren't going to be very good this year. Oh, like I think people disagree. are pick, like people are picking them to make the playoffs. And I'm just like, like, that's insane. To I can see it. Why? Who's their third if best? KP, who's I mean, their third best? Again, again, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played in a year and a half coming off. An you're ACL. just betting against everyone who's been injured in like the last year. No, I'm betting against this specific injury that always takes a long time for guys to come back from. I um, like who's their third best player? Who is their third best player? Be... Is it Seth, Seth Curry their third best player? Is Dwight Powell their third best player? No, definitely not Dwight Powell. Um, definitely not Jackson. Um, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's probably uh, yeah, it's probably him. It's probably Seth Curry. Yeah, and so you're talking like as a team with Seth Curry as their third, you know, with how deep the West is and how good all these other teams are, as a team with Seth Curry as their third best player and their second best player is a guy who hasn't played in a year and a half. Like that's like. I don't and I like I know Carlisle gets the most out of guests, but like, I don't know. I just like the Dallas team doesn't do anything for me. And I think like, you know, Luca has like well, a couple of bad weeks and we're going to start like you're just going to see the same kind of backlash to, you know, because, you know, everybody basically couldn't stop fawning over him justifiably last year. He was incredible last year. But, you know, you're starting, you know, you're going to start to see like it's going to it's going to start at some point. Like we're going to start to see the counter narrative of whether it's justified or not. You're going to start to see the counter narrative of, oh, I don't know. Maybe Luca's not quite ready. Like maybe he's not quite a superstar yet. You know, after, you know, a, you know, after like people were trying already like ha- like the second half of last season, people were trying to talk themselves into Trey Young being actually. Oh, in, God. For, now you're speaking my language. Like, that bullshit. Like, it's, oh, my God. Like something is going to happen. Like it's going to it's going to be something like that. Like where you know Luca has a couple of weeks where he doesn't shoot well, and people are going to be like, I don't know, I don't know, Luca. Like 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 that like that conversation is going to happen at some point in like December or January. I don't think so. I I really think we're going to be looking at them and the pick and pop with him and KP as just like, oh, this is this is the next next thing. These two in the West are just going to be like there is a possibility. Not this year, but next year, the Mavericks have two of the top fifteen players in basketball. Well, you're a lot higher on Porzingis than I am, but I mean, I can see it. I I think Porzingis is just like the perfect situation for him. I think he's going to be gone by like age 30. I think his body's just going to break down. We're not going to see Porzingis again in like five years. But I think for right now and what he does and like, do, do you remember just how good he was a year and a half ago before he went out and just what his numbers really were and what he was doing for that next team? Like Porzingis was an absolute all-star before the injury and Luca is in that conversation. Did you see like the the GM survey on NBA.com last week? Uh, yeah. Who teams would rather like if they had a choice? Who would they start their team with? Young guys. It was overwhelmingly Giannis, then Anthony Davis, then Luca. Of everybody else, he's third. I just Luca is like this. He's like a weird combination between like James Harden and I can't put my finger on who else like i just see a lot of hard and stuff when i watch him but he is um an assassin and he is just gonna get better and better i i, I don't i'm not worried about luca at all and also never tweet about luca when you're have when you have a lot of hawks followers um sean because they they come out and get very very upset when you point out that uh NBA GMs are not uh, fawning over Trey Young the same way they are uh, fawning over Luka Doncic um, in the future. It's just, it's all dumb. I hate the conversation and I hate being annoyed by the Hawks every day. And just seeing the Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire comparisons for John Collins and Trey Young and things like that are 
sending me into hyperdrive. I want to enjoy this season for the Hawks, but they make it very difficult. And the people that think that Trey is on the same level as Luca make it make it very tough. And then John Collins being compared to Marius Stoudemire's even more frustrating. I, I don't know. I'm very annoyed. I'm not saying I think Luca's not that good. I'm saying that it's gonna like people are waiting for a reason to be down on Luca because he got so much hype as Why though? Because he got a lot because he's white and he's a Euro and he got a lot of hype. So like he was legit like he was putting up LeBron rookie of the like his rookie type numbers to start the first half of the season. Nobody he really, deserved the hype. Right, but nobody's really looking at that. People, you know, they people see, you know, this this European guy who's getting this amount of hype and they're kind of you uh, again, this is why people were so quick to talk themselves into the Trey Young, you know, whether it's actually a conversation last year because, you know, people were looking for a reason. To, Luca also yeah. talks a lot of talks a lot of trash, so it's like, okay, you know, yeah. people are looking for a reason to turn on him and I think like they're going to take the opportunity this year if he has like one or two bad weeks. I'll never turn on you, Luca. Um Speaking of young guys who I like, okay, I think John Morant wins rookie of the year. Well, Very now that Zion's not going to be playing for two, first two months but of the season, even I think. if he did, I still would pick Ja. See, I think that's Love, insane. dude. Ja is going to put up. No, that. I think Ja's really good, but like you watch Zion in preseason, right? Yeah, like I, I still don't know if he's going to be able to do that night in, night out. The way he plays, I, I don't. I've always been concerned about the injury stuff with him, and just looking at his body and just the way he moves. I, I don't know. There's just something about it where I'm like, that's still preseason. I want to see him do it against Rudy Gobert in the regular season. I want to see him do it against actual like Clint Capella, Joel Embiid types. I want to see him do that and Al Horford for nights on end. I I don't think he's going to be able to slither his way around the rim like that. I I really don't. And I'm not a believer in his shot. I still think that that's going to be um, something we'll have to see. I'm not saying Zion's not going to be a future all-star and all that kind of stuff, but like, jaw is going to put up a bunch of shots they're playing bud ball in memphis he's got the perfect pick and pop mate in jaron jackson he's going to fire a bunch of threes he gets the rim really nicely like he is someone that i think is going to put up a lot of points and the rookie of the year is really just the points award and i i think jaw is going to drop a lot and get a lot of playing time and be healthy just this is a quick thing did you say that or did you see this just got this just came out uh blake griffin is recovering from uh what is this hamstring and knee injuries and will be reevaluated in the first week of November. That just came out. Ah, shit. We only got one great return of Blake here. Is that it? Is it back to just normal? Blake is hurt all the time now. Did we only get one? Was last year it? I guess so. That sucks. I love Blake Griffin. And he was so damn good last year as a point forward. He was doing so much fun stuff. He was shooting threes. Where were you on Detroit before this? Just the thing I just told you. Where were you on them? Uh, seventh, sixth seed. See, I've had them out of the playoffs. Mm. Who did yes. you have inserted? Like, who who did you have jumping in? Like, Chicago? Yeah. Chicago, did you see how many wins they had last year? Yeah. That's like a 20-game jump? I mean, I think Chicago, like, Miami, That's high. Miami missed the playoffs last year, too, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so, I, you know, you could put them in, too. Like, like they, like, there's gonna be a couple of... They also got a top 10 player. Well, right, they're gonna, there's gonna be a couple of those spots open, is or there's gonna be a couple of teams that have to get in over the teams that were in last year, is what I'm saying, and I, you know, I think Detroit is the most obvious candidate to fall out. They're the most obvious. I think Toronto's the most obvious for me. See, I think Toronto could still win the East. Oh my God. That was, what? That was another one of my... That is your nuclear take. What? You've been holding back on me. Toronto winning the East. 
I think it's possible. I think they're how we have. Who's just, their best player right now? We have just been talking about how shallow the East is and how it's just not very good. And, you know, and, and, and you don't and you're not you're not sold on any of these teams. I think maybe there's a chance Siakam does make that leap. I think they have even like outside of Kawhi, I think they're deep enough. They're well coached enough. I think, you know, the fact that they've signed Lowry to this extension means they're not going to trade him and try to tear it down. This, this Oh, I don't think that's what it means at all. I think they just did him a solid and gave him another year. It makes it easier to trade to the right team who has him for two years. So you think they're going to trade him like this? Yeah. Well, so, OK, so if they trade him, that's out. I just I think Toronto's going to be better than people think. I mean, I'm a big OG and OB guy. Right, and they got like basically nothing out of him like that whole playoffs last year because he had because he had the appendicitis. And Pascal being another unicorn, so maybe he does have another little. I I'm not as certain about that, but um, maybe OG Ananobi keeps him afloat and keeps him in the playoffs. I I'm I'm a little bit more dubious, but that's not good for uh, Detroit. Not good. Well, Detroit. I mean, Detroit. I just like don't really like Detroit's roster that much anyway like reggie jack bruce brown guy <laughs> not a big who guy bruce brown who will be right. starting at the two for them yeah that's pretty rough like reggie jackson is still their starter and like i don't think that'll be much longer like derrick rose seems like he's getting a lot of buzz he's okay good in the preseason like i could see derrick rose actually taking the starting spot from him okay all right i don't know all right you can all right okay i should probably not i should probably not say anything about that but okay all right what do you, what what do you what 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 are you what are you holding back right now, Sean? I'm not holding anything back. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, we'll talk about this later. I'm, I'm curious now. Um, what is your next one? Uh, okay. Well, so the Toronto thing was one of mine. Okay. I think the only other one that I actually still have on my list is I think the Sixers are going to miss Jimmy Butler more than people realize. Oh, I'm right there with you. Cause like I yeah, want to believe in Tobias. I, I want to believe they, in Tobias. I think they got. A, I think they're you know they're going to be really good defensively in the regular. Yeah. Like like this Philly team to me like I think the Horford addition is interesting and I don't think the fit with him and Embiid is going to be as bad as it kind of seems on paper because I actually think they can complement each other pretty well and they're and that team is going to be like I and like I like Jason Richardson or not Jason Richardson Josh Richardson like that like they're going to be pretty good defensively but. Who was their best player in the playoffs last year? It was Jimmy Butler, and he's the only guy in the, the final five minutes of a game who can just get his own shot, and you can just give him the ball and say, get, get me a bucket, and he can also shut down the other team's best perimeter player. I don't think they have that guy anymore, and I think they're going to – and I get, like, there's a lot of personality stuff with uh, with Jimmy where, you know, he's kind of worn out his welcome everywhere that he's gone, and I think they probably were, you know, not I, – I can kind of understand why on some level they just decided, yeah, I don't know if this is what we – you know, we want to commit to the five years or whatever with him, but, like – I think they're going to miss him in the playoffs. I agree. And I think it's one of those that we're going to look back on maybe even as early as the end of this season of just like, if they had just kept Jimmy or if it's not even really their fault. Cause Jimmy didn't want to stay. I think he just wanted to go to Miami. Right. And that's not their fault. Philly had to change plans because Jimmy didn't want to be there anymore. And they got Josh Richardson and some good capital for him. And they, they worked admirably to fix their situation but i still i think jimmy and philadelphia will look back on this as like oh we might have been able to win a title like they came so close to being the eventual nba champions that if you had just kept jimmy and ran it back one more year with the way this eastern conference is set up like this was this was theirs for the taking and i and then once you get in the finals like the raptors last year you never know and 
it just kind of sucks. Like if I'm a Philly fan, I'm kind of sick over this where it's like, we have this great starting five now. That's cool. And everything who knows what Zaire Smith is, but I, the top level talent, if Ben Simmons also makes another jump with him, Butler and Embiid, I, I just, I think that wins the East for sure this year. And then that's, you just never know in the finals. Um, it kind of sucks. Well, the guy that they're pushing now as like as like their next you know defensive ace is uh, Matisse oh, yeah, Seibel, the, the, the kid yeah. from Washington. Like they're really pushing that hard. But it's like he's he's not going to be the guy. He's not a needle mover in twenty nineteen. No, I agree. No, I agree. I I think no, I think I think I could see Philly very easily getting the one seed in the East, but then I think they're yeah. they're going to miss Jimmy in the playoffs. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. Um, well, we can do my last one here because we I actually we already did a lot of buck stuff and they were on here is it like one of my things. Yeah. I just think they were making the finals. Um, Boston, I think they miss Kyrie. We haven't talked Boston enough on this podcast at all, really. Um, they just locked up Jalen Brown. Uh, I, that was kind of a surprise to me because Boston hasn't done that since Rajon Mondo. So that's a little weird that they're actually keeping some of their young guys into their second contract. Um. I I think people are really overvaluing chemistry and just guys liking each other off the court where it's like, mm, Kimba is like, I, I've talked to people in the Hornets organization in the past about the Kimba stuff and Kimba is looked at as like this fallen hero on NBA Twitter where it's like, he has to do so much in Charlotte. He's just playing with trash and he's having to be the guy, but he can actually play off the ball and he would probably be great off the ball. Kimball Walker likes having the ball in his hands. Like, he is 30 years old. He has always liked having the ball in his hands. Going back to the UConn days, he is someone that can absolutely play off the ball. Kimball Walker does not have any interest in playing off the ball. We're going to see this year where it's like Celtics fans are going to be, it's game 30, and they're like, huh, another late game of Kimball Walker doing stuff by himself and leaving Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and everybody else wide open in the corner to do something dumb in the middle of the court. Like, I think it's just Kyrie is infinitely better than Kimball Walker at basketball. I think he's a better shooter, better playmaker, better scorer, better passer. The only thing Kimba really has is defense, and he's small. What is Kimba? Six feet? Kimba's not even like a great defender. Nothing about the Kimball Walker thing should scream, oh, we're back in business contending for titles. No. I I, I think Boston fans are gonna miss Kyrie Irving this year. I think the bigger thing for Boston is that their starting center was Al Horford and now it's Ennis Cantor. Like, I think that's a bigger yeah. deal to me than the than the Kyrie Kemba uh, drop off. They're just going to get a lot worse defensively. And I don't know, maybe Brown and Tatum both make the leap that people think they're I mean, they clearly think that, uh, you know, considering the contract they gave him, they clearly think that uh, Jalen is going to make that leap. And maybe Tatum, the demombaing thing is, is is real from the story from a couple weeks ago. But like, I don't I like. I just I think they're going to they're going to get without Horford they're going to get so much worse defensively that I just I don't really see them being in that tier of teams in the East that I could see real making a real run. I don't think so. Are when was the last time? I mean, wasn't it a couple years ago the the Celtics were starting not an NS Canner type, but it was someone really bad at center. Who was it? Vitorini? Remember the Oh, Vitor random... Vitor Faberani. Yeah, like he was getting starting minutes at the 5 and they still had a a good defense i think brad stevens and that group can construct a good defense even with uh, a turnstile at center i don't think i'm really at all worried about their defense this year 
Well, I mean, I I just think I mean I definitely agree with you. They're going to get a lot of Robert Williams. You're going to get a lot of other guys like Grant Williams. Like they're going to be. I think it's going to be a hodgepodge. I think you're going to see like 12 minutes this guy, 12 minutes that guy. I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to get worse in terms of just over just overall. The you know the Kyrie Kemba thing is interesting. I mean, I think the fact that Kemba is really good and he's also like Kemba's also a little bit more durable and he's you know. I think the chemistry stuff is not I, I think I think with the stuff about like how toxic Kyrie was last year, I don't think a lot of that was overstated. So you I, don't think it was overstated? No, I don't. But like my whole thing is like even if it was toxic, you still had a guy complete like he had that bad buck series. But I would still like whatever Kyrie brings, I would still rather have that in a professional setting than Kimball Walker. Every time. I don't care. Like how miserable could it have been? It's not like they're around this guy all the time. Who cares? Like once you step on the basketball floor, who cares what this guy is off the floor? I, I I don't understand. I just think it's overblown. These are grown men. It's just a coworker. Who cares? You've just got a weird coworker. But guess what? This particular coworker is a lot better and has a much higher ceiling than the new one you brought in that you just are gonna like hanging out with more. Yeah, I mean maybe, but I I don't know. I just saw so 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 are you so you're lower on the Celtics than than yes. most. Yeah, so you and I are on the same page, just kind of for different reasons. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Any uh, Anything else that, that uh, you want to touch on? What? It, um, that's all I've really got right now. Yeah. Um, oh, I think Aaron Holiday is going to be really good this year. That's my maybe another okay. mild take. Okay. Did some college looking at him, and it's just the free throw rate. He shot like 33% from three last year, but in like 600 minutes. He's going to get a lot of time early this season with Olipo out. Gets to play next to Brogdon. I could see a a good holiday start for him. Okay, no, that's yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm just gonna monitor him. Fantasy people, just keep an eye on Aaron Holiday. Would not be surprised if he's averaging like eighteen five for the first like two months of the season. Would not be surprising at all. Yeah, I mean, I I thought he had a pretty good rookie season, so I mean, I could definitely see him making another jump. Okay. All right, Sean. Is there anything we should check out from you uh, this week heading into tonight's action? Uh, I mean, I'll, I've got some stuff coming up at Bleacher Report that, uh, you know, I'll obviously just tweet that out when it comes out. I don't really have any firm timelines on that stuff. Hopefully got some other stuff in the works uh, coming up, but you can follow me on Twitter at Hiken, which is just my last name, H-I-G-H-K-I-N, and that's about it. All right. Go do that. Sean, enjoy this season. We will be touching base more often because basketball is back. Yeah, absolutely. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.